Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. First Kings chapter 3. Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. Then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall going around Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David. Statutes means the practices, the habits, the belief system, uh, walking in the ways of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for there was a great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God asked, or God said, what did God say? He said, ask, what shall I give you? What shall I give you? And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. Now, my Lord God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil who is able to judge this great people of yours. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have asked for riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall there be any like you arise after you. And I have given you, also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days." So if you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Then Solomon awoke, and indeed it had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, help us, Lord, tonight uh, to be able to discern wisdom and truth uh, from your teaching, God. Thank you for the word, for the revelation, God. There's so much that we do not have to figure out on our own because of mistakes and, and problems and doing it the wrong way. Thank you for all the ways that you save our hearts, you save our lives, you save our relationships, you save our marriages, you save our finances. If we would but listen and incline our ear to your word, to your revelation, God, thank you for all the lessons that I don't have to learn the hard way. I pray that here tonight that someone else would, uh, would learn something, would hear something from the Word of God, and that you would uh, illuminate our path, our decision-making um, to your truth and your ways and your statutes. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. Tonight, I just want to encourage you, and I want to uh, just talk a little bit about, uh, about this request, this request that Solomon makes. And uh, as, I, as I read through the passage, you know, a couple of times, started thinking about it, uh, um, I don't really remember a whole lot of stories like that in the Bible where, where God comes to somebody like that, whether it's a dream or a Christophany or some other kind of you know, revelation where God speaks through a burning bush, however it is that, that he speaks, um, you know, and then he asks what, you know, what we think, right? Well, what do you want to do? Like that, that doesn't happen so much. A lot, you know, a lot of times if God is speaking up and he's, he, he's telling us what he thinks, and that's always better anyway. But uh, th- this is interesting. Whenever God asks Solomon, um, what do you want? How would you have answered that if, if God was going to give you one thing? And it really, I know that this is kind of secular. I don't even, <laughs> this is where my mind's at, though. Um, th- that sounds almost more like uh, Right. What does it sound like? Yeah, you know, it sounds like it sounds a little more like Aladdin than 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 it does most of the other biblical stories, uh, because um, he actually has you know God appear to him and and says you got one wish what would you like to have basically, right? You only get one in this case, but you know you don't get three. Um, you you have one. One thing that you can ask, one one gift that you can desire, one thing um, that you can say and. Uh, and God is, you know, from everything that Solomon understands, he's going to give him that one thing. And I begin to think about that. There's not a lot of issues or a lot of, a lot of instances in the Word of God where he says, what do you want? And it's really, I mean, that, that, that'll kind of set you back a little bit because every, it seems like every interaction that I have with God, like I'm trying to figure out what he wants, what he wants for me. Sometimes God wants to know what you want. Where do your priorities really lie? What is, where are your values? And so I wonder how long he took to really think about that because, you know, so much of what we pursue in life just because of habit is not really the things that we want. This is a huge disconnect, especially for Americans. The thing that we hustle after the hardest, if we take a big step back and really have a, an introspective moment, sometimes we're like, why am I doing this? Why do I care so much? Why am I missing out on this? Um, you know, Heart check right here, but uh, you know, I, I had my family up for, for Thanksgiving, and, you know, my in-law family, and it was awesome. We had a great time, and uh, we spent a lot of quality time together, you know, talking, working. They helped us you know, build a fence, lots of fun stuff, you know, eating, doing all those things. Um, but there was a picture taken that was terrifying because like, there was like nine people in the room, and eight of them were on their phone. You know, and, and we, we, like it was just like kind of a moment like right between a bunch of other stuff. We actually did spend a ton of time together. And so it's not like we were on the phone the whole time. But uh, um, all the, and all the kids would not be quiet. You know, there's like how many kids that are like this big? I wish we had the video. Oh, I wish we had the video. Um, so I, I, I put Paw Patrol or something on, uh, you know, whatever. You know, so it's something like that. Amen, Austin? One, yeah, amen, yeah. And so uh, I, I have my laptop and, uh, and they're, they're just going nuts. They found a xylophone. Who has, why do we have that? I've hit that thing five times in two weeks, and it still comes back like a bad penny. This is a xylophone. You know what I'm talking about. Parents, say amen. That ching, 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 ching thing that you keep hitting on, oh, you know. So they're beating on, and so I put Paw Patrol on first, first stage, and then on, on the laptop, and then it kind of like the, the Pied Piper, um, I had it like this, and I was like, come on, kids, come on, kids. Oh, Paw Patrol, it's going away. Amen, Zeke, Paw Patrol. Yeah, 
And then I, 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 I hustled them all the way into the bedroom, and they, you know, the little goobers, they, the whole way, I got them all out of there, hid the xylophone for the sixth time. It was great. It was great. However, I did take a moment to notice we are really, really attached to, to our electronics. We are attached, even in times whenever we're around people, and, and I was like, you know, for a second, I'm just like, I know, all, you know, I know all 12 of you people did not drive seven and a half hours straight to look at your phone, you know, and, and I didn't mind because I was looking at my phone, you know, it's not like, I'm here, pay attention to me, but, but I, as I kind of saw, I was like, wow, everybody's on their phone, and all the kids are, are looking at, at, at a different one, I was like, ooh, man, because it's hard to keep our priorities straight. You know, we can, re- we can go all the way, you know, drive all the way to Thanksgiving, you know, somewhere far, far away to see people and then still be watching the show we could have watched back at home. You know, we just still be, you know, scrolling miles on Facebook or whatever, uh, or, you know, Instagram, whatever, you know, Pinterest, you know, nobody's, nobody's exempt. Call of Duty Modern Warfare on, the, on your phone. I got you all. I know you all. Amen. I got you all. Whatever it may be, whatever it may be, you can do that, you know, all the way at home. And so I began to think about, you know, some of the, uh, some of the values that, that we carry, that we, um, how long would it take us to really get through all the stuff that we're actually doing to what's most important? If you had that moment and God was like, uh, here's a real scary thing. What if he just like assumed what was going to be the most important thing to you? Right? And what if he didn't ask? You know? And then because the way that we're living our life, we didn't really... We, you know, the, the answer wasn't what, you know, we wanted it to be. Sometimes what's most important to us is not what we're putting the biggest focus on. I wonder how long it took Solomon to get to this answer because there's a lot of things he wants to do. But at the very core of his being, I don't think it took him very long because of how he was walking, the things that he was doing, the things that he was spending his time doing. He was walking after God. He was making sacrifices to God. He cared about these things. He, this is where his primary concern, his focus was. So it didn't take him very long. And the first thing he does, before he asks for anything, he gets his priorities right. He declares God as sovereign. He sacrifices to the Lord. I think more importantly, he loved the Lord. That's in the scripture too, right after he sacrificed. He loved the Lord and followed the statutes of godliness that had been taught to him. He says, God, you're good, you're merciful, you're kind, and these are your people, and I am your servant. Now, here's, here's something interesting about Solomon. I think this is maybe geared, maybe, I don't know, maybe a little bit to the younger folks. Um, you know, categorize yourself as you will. Um, how, no Bible scholars answer this. I hate it when you answer my rhetorical questions with the right answer and I don't get to preach. Yeah. So, if you know the answer, then just hold your horses. But how old is Solomon? He comes to Solomon and says, I'm just a little boy. I'm just a little, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little child. He says, little child I am. I don't know how to come in. I don't know how to go out. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a little child. How old do you think he was at this stage? Somebody else. 14? Makes sense. He actually is just over 20 at this time. And that is a big deal. It doesn't seem like it would be. Now, my, Michael couldn't make it here. You know, he sent word that, you know, he'd make it if he could, but he got held up at work. Appreciate Michael. Is Michael still 20? Yo. You know, Mike, and Michael has a, has a job, and he has a child. He has, you know, has a wife. He has a household. He's, you know, 
And, and that's kind of, and, and it's hard to imagine me at 20. I'll leave Michael out of it, but it's hard for me to imagine at, at 20, God asking me what I want and me saying, I'm just a little kid. I'm just, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. The humility that's on display, and I want you to understand that the beginning of wisdom is humility. God understand that if you want to increase in wisdom, you want to increase in knowledge, you want to be effective, the beginning of wisdom is humility. For him, you know, being the king and raised to be the king, he's had tutors, he's had training, he knows what's going on. He's actually already been walking you know, around doing sacrifices, doing you know, political things. He's, he's married, right? That kind, of, that kind of threw me off when I found out he's 20. He's, he's, he's married, and he says, I'm a little child. I don't understand. I don't know what to When he made the request... You know, he was 20 years old, and he says, I'm a child. I need, I need understanding. And honestly, it's, it's easy to compare yourself because, at, you know, 14, 15, 16, however old David was, he was already killing Goliath. You know, he wasn't a child then. So, and that's whose shadow, by the way, he's growing up in, and his father, David. But he asked for a particular kind of wisdom. This is powerful. I want to I read this passage again. He said, now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people too, num- too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this people? I always just assumed that he, he wanted to be smart. You know, he wanted to be wise. He wanted to be understanding. And honestly, intelligence is usually a fairly self-serving thing, right? Like, I want to be intelligent. I want to, I want to know how to do things. I want to, you know, for, the, for, the, for my most, uh, you know, most important effect, the things that I want to do, I want to know how to do that. So it benefits me, right? That's, you know, what usually you use intelligence for. But that is not the kind of intelligence not the kind of wisdom that he asks for. Not to be able to manipulate, not to be able to push a particular agenda. And one, one translation, which I really liked, said, he asked for an understanding mind and a hearing heart. An understanding mind and a hearing heart. Now, this is important. Brother Parker gave a testimony. Some of you here, some were not the other day. And uh, it, was, it was pretty impactful honestly. Um, and his, his ministry right now, as well as, you know, doing pastoral work and teaching and ministering here at the church, he is a full-time chaplain um, with Hospice of Dayton. So he's ministering to people who are on their deathbed a lot of times. You know, there's, he's around, you know, discouragement and people who feel like, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're kind of close to the end. There's a lot of tears. There's a lot of emotional um, weight to be carried in that kind of ministry. I'm not really cut out for it. Um, you know, he, you know, save, you know, the grace of God, you know, the Holy Spirit can, you know, he can cut, he can cut you out for it, whether he, he want you, you want him to or not. But I just don't understand how you do it, you know, because just to be, to truly be in the moment and truly be emotionally invested with people who are broken and who are dying constantly and around their families who are dealing and grieving with the loss and to still be able not to not just kind of shut down flat affect and just kind of go through the motions and still be present and all that. Whew, are you kidding me? That's a lot. That's why we need to pray for him. How many, will, how many of you will um, commit uh, to pray for, for Pastor Dave as he ministers? 
How should we pray for him? Every day, I like that answer. How how else should we pray for Pastor Dave? The right words. Let's do that too. Let's do, let's, let's pray every day. Let's pray for the right words for him to be able to minister. Somebody else, how should we pray? Compassion, compassion, to, and to refill that compassion meter. Brother Richard. Amen, I like that. An understanding heart, amen. For real, for real. And, and Kelly works, uh, you know, works in a uh, assisted living facility uh, as well. So she understands, um, you know, how, you know how, how much of a drain it is to be present in moment after moment after moment that are not yours. Right? It's easy for us to be kind of in, into our own stuff, but to really to inhabit, to be there in the moment and to really care and to be genuine with that. That I think that's the most tiring thing. Right. To be able to continue to pour out and be genuine again and again and again to be present like that. Those are great ways to pray uh, for, for Brother Parker. I appreciate that. He said in that testimony, I'm grateful after, after being, you know, doing almost strictly, you know, preaching, you know, pastoral ministry for years and years and years and years. He said, I am grateful for this season in which God has helped me to find my ears. And so wrapped up and you know, just kind of like a brief overview of what I took away from what he was saying was that I, I got really, really good at telling, you know, from the pulpit. I got really good at, at saying this, 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 and this is what Solomon said. And, you know, this is what, you know, hermeneutically, you know, this is, and this is the, the story. This is the thing. And, and this is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. This is what God did. I got real good at telling. But in this season, God has helped me to find my ears and helped me to be able to hear people and it's changed his ministry and changed his life but what you know the depth of what god has done and honestly that really you know is so powerful because that's so much of what happens in this in this story i think solomon you know depending on which translation literally you know he says give me help me to find my ears Help me to be someone who, who doesn't just already have the right answer. You, you know who's annoying? None of you. You're all perfect in every way. This is for the podcast ministry that go out to all these, all these, all these train wrecks up out here. <laughs> it's none of you. But you know who's annoying? Is the person who is not listening but is sitting there like this waiting for you to finish your sentence so that they can say what they want to say. You know, you can almost see them physically like everything you say, just, you know, just curving everything that you say. You know, and you're, and you're going through it. You're like, yeah, and then this thing could happen. And they're like, uh-huh. Um, yep, yep, yep. Yep, sure. Are you done? Oh, thank goodness. Here's what I want to say. Here's what I think. Here's, you know, I almost died. I almost fell asleep, you know, with all the stuff that you're, I just couldn't wait for you to stop so that I could say more important things because I'm more important than you. And the things that I think are more important than the things, that's why I'm not even listening because I have so little or so much contempt and so little respect for you that, that I, I assume that nothing that you say is going to impact me or be something that I don't know. So please stop so I can divulge this important stuff. 
this game-changing stuff that I'm about to release to you because it's important what I'm going to say, so please wrap up the thing. Yeah? And sometimes, you know, if someone's that much into the thing, have you ever been done that way? I know you have. Have you ever done people that way? We've all done it. And sometimes they deserve it, you know? Okay, you know how much I like history, right? I don't have history degrees hanging on my wall. I got a lot of history books hanging in my library, though, all right? I do know me some history. I love it. I'm not, I'm not a you know, teacher or scholar or some great, but I just, I'm a fan, right? Dan Carlin, I'm a fan of history. Um, so somebody told me the other day um, that they were, uh, that Mary was, the virgin Mary was his 57th grandmother, great-grandmother. This is a full-grown man with no noticeable problems. A full-grown man, 57th grandmother, was the Virgin Mary, and then proceeded to give me the history of why he was right. And I'm having a stroke on the inside. <laughs> I'm having a stroke. He's saying she married one of the Frankish kings, you know, in, 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 in... What? You're, 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 like, you're like 800 years off. And even then, they're like, oh, I just, like, I, 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 you know, my, my brain is overloading right now. I'm just dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. I, and, I'm just like, and so he's waiting to get through this, and he's giving me the whole litany of all this stuff. And he has, uh, you know, what, what he's done, but he's done the, the work. He's done the, you know, the studies. And you know, his ancestor is, is this Mary, um, the, the Virgin Mary is this direct descendant. And I was like, whoa. And I said, well, you know, Okay. Learn something new every day. Just make sure what you learn is right, though. <laughs> because sometimes we learn something every day, and it's just not right. And that was one of those moments for me. So that's, you know, that's my deal. Like, I was just like, oh, I was just dying inside. And I was like, because I wanted to you know, argue. I wanted to talk, but it wasn't going to do any good. And, you know, if that helps them you know, be happy, that's fine, because it wasn't going nowhere. So it is hard sometimes to allow people to finish. Um, you, know, you, you know what's really harder? It went, it, it, ooh, it, why am I doing, why am I talking like this? <laughs> Rabbit trail. But this is important because I can tell this is where some of y'all at right now. And this is going to be, is going to help you. You know what's even harder than hearing about somebody's 57th grandmother being the Virgin Mary? Is whenever you're sitting there waiting for somebody to get done telling you a lie. Yo. You ever done that? They're, they're just sitting there lying. <laughs> lying to me, and I was like, oh, oh, it's just like, it's just, just lying, 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 it's just, hmm, you just want to be like, as soon as you're done lying, <laughs> I got something to tell you, I've been there, you know, people just, and people do, some, some people are, you know, compulsively, uh, do they help, like, and that's whenever you know it's kind of a, it's, it's more of a, a little bit of a psychological issue even, because some people, there, there's a president. Was it Woodrow Wilson? I think it was. And they were talking about Wilson. And uh, one of his uh, political opponents said to him, he would never tell the truth about anything when a lie would do just as well. Isn't that crazy? 
And that's how some people are. He's like, he would never tell the truth when a lie would serve just as well. I mean, you might as well lie about it. That's how much of a liar, like he was accusing me. Some people really, it, it really do be like that. Um, some people lie compulsively and, 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 and stuff that don't matter. So it doesn't even matter. There's no, no way that, you know, you, you know, did you turn the light on just now? Just no, just lie, 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 lie. Those are, it's hard to hear people. And here's the thing, church. You have been called to have an understanding heart, a sensitive spirit, and to love people. And that is a hard thing to do in these circumstances. And whenever you're a Christian you, and you feel like you know, you know the answers, it's very hard for you to hear things that you think you already know. Right? As a Christian, like, you, you, oh, I got the answer. Just, you know, let, let me give you. And, and we don't take the time to hear people where people are really at. And, and, and it's hubris and it's pride, and it causes us to be ineffectual in ministering to people and loving people and hearing people and facilitating people's recovery spiritually. Solomon didn't just ask that they could understand him and then he could get what he wanted. He wanted to understand them. Wisdom begins in humility and living like you don't know all the answers. It's not easy. It's not easy. How many have you been wrong this week? Mm-mm-mm. I have. Monday, I had to go right inside and say, babe, by some miracle. <laughs> babe, I, said, I said, baby, I was wrong. I was wrong. You, you remember that? Did you write it down? You put it in your calendar? <laughs> I know. We'll revisit that one. You'll be operating out of that word for a while, for a season. But I was wrong. I was so wrong. Like, you know, and it wasn't like I did something crazy. Like, I was just, I thought I was right. I thought I was, you know, and I was wrong. I had to go, I had to troop myself right back in the house as soon as I realized how wrong I was. And I was like, I was wrong, and you was right. And my bad. I think it's healthy for you to do every once in a while. When was the last, ooh, we're almost done here. We're almost done. When was the last time you admitted you were wrong? Some of y'all are like, this is a throwaway question. Amen. Amen. <laughs> some, of you, some of you curve it just like that. Yeah, I, I love it, too. You think, you think the pastor can't see things? I say, when was the last time you, that you admitted you were wrong? You're like, Amen. Hmm. Good word. God sees you. <laughs> Amen. May he, may he convict your, your little heart because we are all wrong from time to time. And the only difference between us is the ones who operate out of pride and hubris, and those are poor leaders. Those are poor Christians. Those are ineffective people for the kingdom. So we have to take a step back sometimes and say, you know what? I was wrong, and it's important for me to create a culture for myself, a spiritual culture that can admit when I am wrong, take responsibility, or else I'm going to live the rest of my life locked into prideful mistakes. Because whenever you live like that, it's okay maybe for the little things, but on the big things, you're going to live a poorer life for not being able to admit whenever we make mistakes. Amen? It's healthy. Every once in a while, yeah, admit, admit that you're wrong. Wisdom begins in humility 
and living like you don't have all the answers. He said, I, mean, would you say, I think it would be very hard for him to come to this answer. As a king, as someone who is smart, as, you know, as a guy who is set up above everybody else from birth, you know, the guy who is, you know, he, he is royalty, he is on a throne, you know, whenever he walks around, people all bow to him. It's very easy to fall into a trap of having all the answers. And then when God said, what do you want? He said, I don't just want them to listen to me. God, help me to listen to them. Help me to have a discerning and sensitive heart to where they are actually at, why they do what they do, where they're at. If I can listen better than I can talk and I can discern, then I can be effective for your kingdom. So I just want to encourage you tonight. Wisdom doesn't begin in knowing the right answers. That is not where it begins. Wisdom begins in realizing that you don't every season, in every situation, realizing that no matter how good you are at that one thing you do, or how, how much you, how familiar you are with the, you know, with the deal. Me and Adam are always going back and forth on history, you know, and I constantly, he's trying to stump me, and I'm trying to school him, but every once in a while, he'll just have a zinger, and then it's important to understand you don't know everything. We don't know everything. I don't know everything, and I want to hear people. I don't want to just wait until they're done talking spiritually because this is important for you. This is important for all of us uh, whenever we deal with people because we are, we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. It's our job to be effective in hearing people and caring about people and, and, and ministering to them where they're at and what they're walking through. And whenever we just decide that we, you know, whether, whether you have read your Bible, you've been a Christian for a while, maybe you went to a Bible school, whatever it may be, maybe, you, maybe we, you know, You've just been very experienced or, or you've been through what they've been through. That's one dangerous thing you can do. Sometimes, and this is, you get this for free and then we'll close. You haven't been through what they've been through. You went through your thing, which was maybe in the same category, but you haven't been what, through what they've been through. You don't understand. I don't understand. And so it's important that we have empathy and wisdom and discernment in our hearts and understand you know, where, where people are coming from. And it's important for us as a church to find our ears. Because if you hear somebody out, you just might learn something that we didn't know and be more effective in the kingdom. Amen? So I pray that we can, uh, we can take from the word of God tonight this, this simple truth. Wisdom does not begin with what you know. It begins with what you don't and how you handle what you don't. Allow God to lead you and guide you. Amen. Let's stand.